0: What is this great conversation you're about to hear? Hello everyone, this is W, host of the High Art on the Edge page. I am an online event planner that supports artists' work from all over the world. They create the product. I help plan and execute a memorable event for their fans, family members, and friends. What do the Levellers and Keene have in common? They all hail from the great country of England, more particularly Sussex. But did you know there is a very talented band that's been dazzling in our ears with indie pop for many years? That's right, they are known as the Pop Guns. You may be familiar with beautiful tunes such as Landslide, The Outsider, and Second Time Around. In this conversation, we're going to explore some questions such as how did music play a role in their childhood? What is their approach to making music? How and when did the Pop Guns form? Why do they enjoy performing concerts? What is their brand new EP, Popism, all about? So grab a cup, pour yourself a good drink, sit back and enjoy my conversation with the super talented Wendy and Simon Pickles from the band, The Popguns. They really have developed a shimmery and jingle jangle sound that will forever infect us in the most positive way. Way. Hello everyone. This is WAK William host of the High Art on the Edge page. Thank you for tuning in for another surprise event. I believe this is number 12, starting in June. And here today we have the legendary two people from the Pop Guns, Simon and Wendy Pickles are joining us for this very special event as we are going to listen to uh, their brand new EP, Popism, and have a conversation. Let's bring them in. Hello, Simon, Wendy. Hello, William. Hello. Hello, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> you two sounding great. You look great. How are you doing? I have to ask you this first question. Now that Popism is out into the world, it's been hatched. How are you feeling about it?
1: It's Great. Yeah.
0: Super positive.
1: Awesome.
0: <laughs> um, we're
2: going to definitely yeah, buy it. To have it released. it yeah. took so long to release There's it. <laughs> <bit of> it. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: yeah, people are listening. It's great.
0: Yeah. We are <laughs> we'll be
2: uh, to playing them next weekend on tour. Yeah.
0: Yes, and we will talk about that as well. So much to get through in our 45-minute, 60-minute conversation. Uh, so, so appreciative that you're here. Can you tell us where you two are tuning in from?
3: We are in Seaford, or Seaford, as some call it, in East Sussex. And
0: tell us about that uh, area. What's it known for?
3: Well, most famously, the Cookmere Haven, which is a little beach at the bottom of a winding, beautiful Cookmere River, and it's surrounded by sheep, cows, birds.
0: It's in the top 10 views in Britain in Sunday Times. It is. And what's the population roughly twenty thousand okay okay and how long you got how long have you two been living there for a year just a year Where were you before in right. well you hove okay. um yeah i got I have to get over there uh and visit a lot of people and I've interviewed so many people um from your parts but and I just you know i, I being over there and immersing yourself in that culture and experience is far better than actually learning it. So, as far as your music goes and popism this brand new release. Um there was a video that you put out for it, is that correct? The new one, yeah. Yeah, what was that video? Caesar? Caesar. Can you mm-hmm. tell us a little about that?
3: What the video itself?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, well. Yeah, well, actually, we, uh, we sent something out on Facebook and said, we want to make a video. Does anyone out there make one? And actually, Jared was, was fresh over from New York, mm. answered our call, a guy called Jared. And um, we went into the local rehearsal studio, uh, booked a big room there. We took some footage, got stage there. And, um, yeah, it was amazing. He did it at a very good price. And we were his invoice
0: number one. (laughs) Get together. This is an album listening party. And let's get started. You don't need to do anything except for just here. Mm -hmm. That That was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Uh, Brandon, thank you. You nailed it in and out with nothing wasted so good. Uh, Oh, thank you so much for that four-track EP, Popism. How'd that sound to you? (laughs) It sounds like (laughs) the greatest record ever made. (laughs) (laughs) I like that (laughs) t-shirt. That's a great t-shirt. Let's talk about this album, and thank you everyone for tuning in. My name is William, host of The High Art on the Edge. I'm here with Simon Wendy Pickles from the Pop Guns, we just had an album EP listening par- party with uh, the um, Popism 4-track so you can grab this on Spotify, Bandcamp um, it is great, Mark says hello from Denmark, can't tell how happy it makes me to listen to Pop Guns, the new stuff is cracking um, What was this, was, that was a question? What are the tracks about? That's- yeah, well what, what inspired these songs? Yeah. Um, I mean, track songs take a long time
2: to write sometimes. Uh, so Dirty London, that was one. Um, it's actually inspired by when I was working in London for HMRC and walked to work every week, every day, across St. James's Park. And, and you, then you pass the statue of uh, Clive of India. And then I was going into office working with, like, a few uh, Indian IT workers, and I was wondering, well, what's that like for them? And you walk up Whitehall, and, there's, it, and you're sort of uh, confronted by the, the memory of uh, empire and power. It's like, wow, this is where this city came from. Just don't forget it. And it's kind of that's sort of the thought of uh, you know, uh, anybody, whether they've come from Liverpool to work in London or Brighton or India or, uh, you know, South Africa or Australia, kind of gets confronted with that history yeah. and which is obviously not not 100% a positive history but uh, it, it's interesting
0: so I studied at the University of London in 1994 and then I went back in 2007 I couldn't believe how much London had changed just in that short time period um, in terms of just buildings and, and businesses and so on and so forth. When was the last time you were actually in London? Oh,
1: probably
2: a couple of months ago. But, um, this was actually t- it was 2012, the last time I worked there for any time. Yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> so that's how long it takes to write a pop-gun song. <laughs> you got to <laughs> get every word right, you see.
0: Um. Uh, And as far as this uh, Red Cocoon track, give us a little backstory on that.
2: You're making (laughs) me blush on that one. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind Kind of of about a mildly debauched weekend at a music festival and uh, a working week looming ahead at the end of
1: it. Yeah.
0: Kind of getting out of your system?
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah, it's just about the feeling of a little... um,
2: moments and the little things that happen there and, like, what's the chorus at the end? Uh, it's been uh, so
3: wonderful.
2: To have yeah, it's like Monday arrives.
3: And the week stretches it's out week ahead. The week stretches
1: out ahead.
3: I know um. I'll manage to find it out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Memories. Uh, with, the, with the arrangements of these songs, and just kind of, if you want to give us a little bit of your creative process, I'd love to know more about how you go about um, when the seeds are planted, what kind of happens next? Yeah, it's it's quite a long process from the
2: song starting being written to actually what it ends up like on the record. And it may change a great deal and it may change not that much. So almost always I just play around on the acoustic guitar, find a tune like maybe a, a line comes into your head. I always think that, any great song has a key line that you remember, um, lyric and melody, and then spend about the next two years trying to get every other line right in the song. And then I do a demo of it to the band, and I think, yeah, that's a great demo. I've arranged that song perfectly. And then the rest of the band say, no, we want to change it completely. And, uh, <laughs> and all my great guitar parts get ditched. And-
1: yeah. Sure. I <laughs> So someone was saying on...
2: On the feed earlier, what a great riff at the start of Dirty London. I had an even better riff than
1: that. Greg came up with that
0: one. I'm sure you have a whole library of riffs just ready to go. So, Simon, give us a little bit of your background and how music came about for you. And um, was that inspired by maybe an aunt, and uncle, a mom, dad?
1: When did oh, music
0: start to take form and shape in your life? I think
2: you know I grew up in the 1970s in. Uh, suburban England, about 30, 40 miles from London. Um, And we didn't have a lot of records in the house. In those days, we we had a few records, which were the ones you'd play, um, including my first record I can remember having is, (laughs) listening to, is the classic Jungle Book, of which I bought again on vinyl a few years ago.
1: Wait, you mean this one? <laughs> yeah,
2: and um, so that—that's probably my first memory of listening to music at home. And you had to have the record to listen to the songs then, and it had some of the soundtrack on it as well, so you listen to the story of it. And um, then other records we had at home, we had and this is what first. I'll I'll jump forward. My dad had a lot of jazz records. I remember we had a seven-inch of um, Take Five and we had the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper on cassette, you know, I can remember a few records, but also probably the record that first got me into writing songs that we had at home was um, Simon and Garfunkel's Greatest Hits and Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water, and I got a chords book for those and learned the chords, and uh, that's what probably started me playing guitar and writing songs.
0: Did you ever um, take guitar lessons? Or was this kind of more no, job time? No,
1: I didn't, no. Um, okay. No, it's just,
0: <laughs> I don't think that's that uncommon, really. Yeah, right. Um, Wendy, give us a little bit about your background and how music came into your life.
3: I mean, it, it's always been there as far as I remember. I think, it could be a false memory, but I think I remember seeing the Beatles um all You Need Is Love. You know, they did the live thing of it in 1967. But I would have been two, so maybe I don't remember it. But I just, in my brain, I think maybe I remember watching that. Um, but, yeah, we have music playing all the time in our house. It was uh, largely Elton John, so I'm, I'm a huge Elton John fan because of that. But lots of other stuff. But like Simon, it wasn't, we didn't have that many actual records, but we used to have lots of taped records that we taped from other people. So there's a large tape cassette library. So I would have my little cassette player and go in my room. And I, I think there were three or four Beatles albums that we had on cassette. I had Help, Sgt. Pepper, Abbey Road. I think I listened to those round and round an awful lot. Um, but I was just, you know, into pop music. I mean, that, as I said earlier, this is my first record that I remember owning that was kind of mine, which is Donny, Donny Ashton. Ashton. Yeah, because I was in love with Donny, of course. Um and then a bit later on, this was the first album that I remember using my own money to buy, which is, who knew John Travolta had an album, right? Sandy by John Travolta. Um, so it was, it was pop music and I was really into, um, oh, bass rollers, you know, the tartan around the bottom, of, I don't know if they made it to America, but I had the tartan around the bottom of my jeans and, you know, just oh. basically pop music.
2: Up to a few years later, the first time I went round to Wendy's house, she was playing bass along to sound effects by The Jam.
1: there you go. But then I so, did. Also,
3: I did play guitar. I played. Um, there was a guitar group at school, at infant school, junior school. Okay. might have been infant school. And then I also had piano lessons when I was younger, and violin
0: lessons. And, and violin, you said?
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Do you have right? Right now, or you know, why you're growing up, did you have any other hobbies, other pursuits other than music that you were really interested in? Either one of you. I'm just, no, I
3: not just reading. I mean, I love books, reading books and watching telly. Reading books and watching telly, that were my main things. But no, not into anything else really, just music. What about you? Oh,
1: football?
2: Me now, well, what do I do now?
1: No, 90% I mean, of the time.
2: No, I, when um, I was when young, up, I was yeah. probably, yeah, so when I was probably as a boy up to age 14, football was all, was all I was interested in. You know, music, it was all at that age of like 13, 14 that music started to become a bit more important. It became, you know, the playground, you know, some kids were into some music, some kids were into other music. And I remember once we got to 15 and we had a, a youth club room on Thursday lunchtime where we could play records and they had to split up the two gangs of kids because there was the, the Scarbot, the rude boys who wanted to play the specials, yeah. et cetera. And then there was the heavies. This is what I was thinking, who wanted to play Led Zeppelin and, and, uh, you know, Black Sabbath or, or <laughs> Scorpions. And I'm afraid I was in the heavies at that point, for <laughs> sure. Even though I love the jam, but, um, yeah but um no I'm also massively into fishing. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> that would surprise you? Really like what kind of fishing? Like fly yeah, fishing when I was what? about
2: 12 I started fishing and then um, yeah and but well, now I fish in the sea really from
1: okay.
2: <laughs> in uh, off Brighton and Seaford so yeah, from the beach late at night sometimes and
0: Okay um, Simon I'm going to ask you a very silly question then. How are fishing and creating music similar? Um, what pleasure do you detail? Okay, of course, <laughs> <All right.
1: laughs> like everything. Yeah, you have to refine
2: your techniques, choose your uh, bait and your words carefully,
1: and put them like just it. in the right place, and you'll succeed. Well.
0: Deep sea fishing and I are not friends. Sorry. <laughs> I can't handle that, that turbulence. No thanks. Um No I don't go out Wendy, do you go out with them?
1: Uh-uh. No. No, you I don't know. eat them either. So yeah. That's where I like uh,
0: I tell us a little bit about just real quickly, um, the, the formation of pop guns. Whoever wants to answer yeah, So it.
1: Our infancy was out in, I studied in
2: 1985, six in France at university for a year, a city called Nantes, and Pat was out there with me, bass player in the pop guns. And, um, that was just in the infancy of the, like the C-86 scene, of course. And there was a, a kind of philosophy of popism around, uh, getting back to melodies and, you know, simple, unambiguous lyrics and, uh, yeah, simple songs with strong melodies and, you know, which have been a, a kind of, it should be made to feel a little bit worthless. I think with the rise of, you know, art rock and things and a lot of bands, wanted, uh, it, it came out of punk a bit as well. The idea that we can make simple, simple, great melodic pop music that it's, that is just as good with, you know, and there are songs like the, Altered images. And, uh, what's the song? See those eyes, and I could be happy. I only had you know, Blondie songs that were really pop songs, but they were still credible uh, because they were honest and true. And uh, so that was the thing—the Jesus and Mary Chamber coming out, who had a bit of that about them. You know, kind of melody with noise and so we started messing about making our own tunes. And when we got back to Brighton the next year we uh, decided to start a band and um, got uh, other people involved we had a singer who um
1: Jane?
2: Jenny who um joined us for a while but then um Wendy came around well uh, Wendy was some somebody i knew hey somebody, somebody i used to, to know. know yeah <laughs> so we uh, up and I said, Hey, I've
3: got some songs you want to- But Greg, you- so, so Simon and I met oh. at sixth form when we were 17 because we grew okay. up in the same area. And Greg was in the year above us at sixth form, and we didn't really like each other, did we? Uh, at sixth form, I don't think. Um, <laughs> it's and, all coming out now. And then, um, but then Greg was at Sussex Uni when Pat and Simon were there. So I don't know how you became friends with Greg again, didn't you? He came yeah. lived in a house that you were living in, and then uh, so Greg started playing guitar with them. So I was the last, well, yeah, I was the last to join of the original four, and we used to just play with a like a tape <laughs> machine thing, didn't we, for drum? Yeah. <laughs>
1: just at first, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, we found out so, uh, Wendy could sing,
0: and yeah. like, oh, that's handy. Do you? And right. Uh, <laughs> and do a damn good job of it. So Wendy. When you were growing up, when did you start noticing your wonderful vocal abilities? Um,
3: I don't think I ever thought it was wonderful, but I knew I could sing in tune, and I liked singing, so I just did. I mean, I there were, you know, I, unfortunately, my school, um, my secondary school that I went to was a, a new school, and I was only the second year in the school, so there were only two years of school, so there wasn't really an established music department or anything, which is a shame. Um, but there was a little choir. Um, and I used to sing at concerts and play, you know, some of the music concerts at school. Um, um, well, I just used to really sing on my own in my bedroom most of the time with my guitar.
0: Uh, we have a, a question here. Actually, we have some comments. I'm just going to read, um, uh, da-da-da-da. Andrew says it's so good to have the pop gun still releasing new stuff. The EP might be the best stuff since they reformed looking forward to Liverpool. Uh, Zainab, I, I hope I'm pronouncing Zinab. your name. Zainab, yeah. Zinab, she says, "City uh, and bank inventing so people could stash the compensation. they got for giving up their slaves. Same with industrial revolution. Definitely dirty London. Ask David Olusso. Oh, so yeah, he's got a
3: new series out on iPlayer which we need to watch. Um, all about okay. history of
0: Britain. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, the jam no. sound effects saved up for real I, I, I don't you can see that. That was jam oh, sound effects. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> there oh, it yeah. is. Um, and then Mark says, when writing a song, here's a question for you. When writing a song, how, when do you decide if it's a pop gun song or if it's perhaps something for the perfect English weather?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So who would like I'm, to answer on that? Yeah, good question. Well, um, thank you, Mark. I
1: suppose more Rocky. plaintive, like, yeah, it,
2: yeah. if it's to the right in the rock spectrum, then it goes into the pop guns, basically. Um, yeah. If I, um, yeah, or if I like the guitar part too much to give it to the pop guns and get it changed. <laughs>
3: the more epic than no, the pop guns ones, aren't
2: they? Yeah, it's stuff that's more, more lightweight, quieter mm-hmm. stuff goes in the perfect English weather bucket, technically. I want to know. Partly it was to do with too many songs, actually. And, I, and um, usually it takes more time with the band to record them. So I think the first perfect English weather album, which is I've got all these songs left and we're never going to record them otherwise. So it's quicker just for me and Wendy to go and do them together.
0: Yeah. Um, Simon, are you extremely. You, you mentioned in Fishing Tension the Detail. Are you. Overly meticulous? Can you just spend hours and hours and hours going fine, you know, the fine tooth comb to the point where, like, oh, I just can't do it anymore. Like, what's what's your kind of approach to that?
1: Yeah, I,
0: think I do too much
2: okay. <laughs> in the band. Definitely, I ended up having to do the mixing on a couple of songs on the EP, and I did about fifty mixes of each one before. I thought it was okay and then did another 50 after we got one that was okay trying to make it better so but in,
1: terms, just, of song.
2: But in, in terms of songwriting um, yeah songwriting no I, I, I'm very I hate bad lyrics and then so I mean, I'm not saying none of them ever get don't ever get through but um, like something like Caesar probably took three years to get the the third line of the second verse right
0: wow oh. So it, I'm I'm hearing almost like a Stanley Kubrick approach to, to music. Um, yeah, I think I don't think that's unusual
2: with bands. Okay, you know. okay. Bands are so slow to release music these days, aren't they? I mean, look at um, like you look at the best albums of 1979, and there's like two David Bowie albums, like 1975, two Queen albums, like the bands would, and the Jam would release like f- five albums in four years, and these days it takes about five years to record an album, it seems. I don't know why that is.
1: But, um, Unless, well, it's that not that unusual for
2: bands to take that long. I think if I was full-time doing this, we could do one a year easily, but they certainly write more than 12 songs a year. But.
1: Right.
0: Unless you're the band called Guided by Voices. <laughs> <More> <laughs> they release an album, like, two albums a year. It's pretty incredible. Um, I want to know... What sacrifices have you made in your lives in just being full-time musicians?
3: We have never been full-time <laughs> no.
0: musicians. Oh, okay. <laughs> have you seen well, us Spotify well, I- streams? It would be impossible. <laughs> Do you feel like you've had to make some sacrifices along the way?
3: I think. Well, when we, we used to use our holiday when we were work, when we first time around with the band, we used all our holiday going on lots of gigs. But I don't know if that's much of a sacrifice because yeah. it's what we wanted to do with our holidays. I don't, I
2: don't ever feel like I wish I'd done something else. I mean, it's obviously, you have to choose what to do in life. And um, especially in our 20s, we were, as I say, we're playing 60 gigs a year and full-time job. It doesn't give you much time to do much else, but you make that choice. Mm. And then we stopped in 1995, probably because of that. And Wendy and
1: I had children and lived a different life of, 15 years or whatever, because you know it, it would have been too much. But then, when you get a bit more time in your hands later on,
0: I want to um segue since you just mentioned that word gigs. I want to talk about gigging and in concerts, performing live. What is that experience like for you? And we can obviously, I want you to talk about some upcoming shows that you have. Um, do you enjoy touring still?
3: yeah i
2: love playing gigs yeah i love playing gigs that's not the same as touring
1: um you always
2: think, yeah i'm just saying it's not some 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 you'll hear some bands that say you know t- touring they hate it it's only the two hours that they're playing that's enjoyable uh, um yeah. that isn't the case with us i don't think and not for yeah. me but, um yeah, when you play a gig, it always feels like yeah, that was worth it, wasn't it? That's why we do it. And then, and there, but there's a lot of times <laughs> leading up to it, all the work that's required that you think, oh, is it really? Worth it?
0: Wendy, I was, I, I was in doing my homework. I was watching some uh, stuff on YouTube, and your performance—you seem very comfortable on stage. Is that something that has always been a part of you, or is that something you've learned? over time in terms of just self-confidence and um, do you, it, how do you handle if you get any stage fright?
3: Um, I think when we started out, I just copied Morrissey. That was my, that was my <laughs> um, I'm only confident because if I know the songs really well, I, the only time I really get nervous is if we're playing a new song and I'm not sure that I know the words or if I'm feeling that the voices maybe on the days you know, not yeah. quite up to standard, then I might be a bit nervous. But no, I, I don't know why because I'm not really very confident. I think loads of people say this, don't they? They're quite shy, unconfident people off the stage but on the stage because I know that I can sing and, you know, I'm confident that the boy's going to do a good job around me and the crowd is there expecting and they sort of giving you the love and so that just boys you up and, yeah.
1: yeah. What is that?
0: When how? How much time and effort do goes into creating the set list for a show? Well,
3: we say, who wants to do the set list? So <laughs> <laughs> someone says, <laughs> I'll do it. No, we, we have, we've had to think about it a bit more, um, only because Ken is our new drummer, so he doesn't know all of the old songs. So we mm-hmm. have had to pick and choose ones. Uh, and we just try to play a variety there from our back catalogue from the different albums.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a few songs that, inevitably you yeah. have to play and want to play who wouldn't want to play the songs that people like most right. uh, um, but we do mix it up a lot um, there might be I don't know six or seven songs that we play almost every gig and then the other seven or eight will change over time sometimes we do a gig like we released we released the Love Junkie album from 1995 we re-released it about three or four years ago five years ago and we did a, a gig where we played that whole album like yeah. Do so. That's always fun to do. That or we played Snog one album once. And
1: I
3: mean, I mean yeah. with, with the songs, it, it, with the older, for me personally, the older songs, some of them, they're quite belty and high, especially mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. you love. And I always have to brace myself a little bit for that one. Um, so I probably prefer, in some ways, in the more more, more recent songs because I don't know why we just used to pitch them. The key just used to be, or the melodies used to be out there, really belty, so I do have to kind of, yeah, I have to really try not to shout them, otherwise I would damage
1: my voice doing that.
0: Do, when in creating the set list, do you put a lot of thought processes into um building the energy of the room?
3: Yeah, I think there's an element of that.
1: Well, usually we have banger, 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 <laughs> and slowly, and
2: banger, 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 banger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah I, I, I do but then you realise well, it doesn't really matter you just play some songs and
3: but we're not like because um, I um, I don't know if you know Black Midi They're was kind of alt rock I don't know how they describe themselves they're quite experimental and they I think the last tour that they did they basically didn't have a set list and they would just decide what they were going to play I mean I don't think we'd be able to do that <laughs> but we need to we need to know what we're doing I I like the idea
0: of it, but um no. We need to have a plan. With with the the newer the popism tunes, is there a song on that EP that just was frustrating as hell, like, ah, we can't get this together, the composition's not right, something arrangement, whatever it is, and then finally it, you broke through. Or is there anything like that with any of those four songs?
2: Yeah. So <laughs> and dirty, dirty london we did play it for about two years until greg came up with his guitar line that really works and i thought, you know i said yeah that's a strong line greg We can use that and that it brought the song together and it just wasn't quite clicking otherwise until we did that for me anyway and um
3: and then red cocoon you spent hours
2: trying oh things. yeah i mean let's not talk about strumming patterns and bass drum beats trying to make the I mean it's it's intriguing when you're actually in a band and it's always at the start when you don't really know what you're doing in a band it's so much easier and then you start when you've been going for years you start studying records you like and how the bass guitar works with the bass drum and what kind of bass drum pattern you need for the chorus and then what rhythm guitar strumming pattern and it drives you mad -hmm. Yeah,
0: that's probably just knowing too much. Um, Andrew says, speaking of bangers, I hope Long Way to Fall makes the set list. (laughs) And then, uh, what's the biggest age group following you now? Are people people bringing grandchildren just about? I mean, obviously. I, 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 I also.
1: (laughs) please yeah no i work um
2: this won't surprise anyone i work as a data analyst and um so i get my spotify data now so i could tell you exactly what our listening (laughs) age group is and it's not i mean it's mainly 45 to 60 age group but you know it is about 20 percent females under 30 which is,
1: you know, that's not Yeah, because our son,
3: (laughs) when our son Thomas went to to York Uni and one of his friends was a Pop Guns fan and and then she
1: didn't know that, you know, that we were his parents, so that's quite fun. (laughs) Um, There are some young people out there.
0: What can, so I've never seen you live other than what I've seen on, you know, YouTube and stuff like that. Uh, What can people expect at a Pop Gun show?
1: Noise. Raw power. Yeah, it's. We're quite a raw live. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we play all the big tunes basically. There's, I mean, there's
3: a reasonable amount singing along as well. And Yeah, yeah. yeah we we prepared to ends. sing
2: along to Bye Bye Baby, which is. Yeah. And uh, a bit of moshing
1: to that too. Seems. It's a live favourite.
0: Yeah. Off the snow now. Mark, Mark says, can't wait to see you in London next week. I'm bringing my wife Ooh. for her first Pop Guns gig. <gasps> my kids are big fans too. Uh, and says they are brilliant lives. So, That's my mom. <laughs> um, being in San Francisco. I don't, have you played in San Francisco before? We have.
3: We've only played in New York.
0: New York. Okay. What? So when are you coming to the Bay Area?
3: Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Well, as you said, out the record company that put our vinyl out or puts out put out the most recent stuff of yeah. ours out and this vinyl is based in Santa Barbara. So, um, yeah. Oh, it's Santa it. Barbara.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, we have just a few more questions here. My name is William, host of the High Art on the Edge page here talking, speaking with Simon Wendy from the Pop Guns. So if you have a question, go ahead, put it in the comments box. Are there any more, um, speaking of gigs, can you tell us what's coming up for you in terms of shows?
3: Yes. Next weekend, we are going on a mini tour, three dates in a row. Saturday, the 7th of October, we are in Bristol at the Thunderbolt. Then we're driving all the way out to Glasgow, Hug and Pint, to play on Sunday night, the 8th, and then down to Liverpool, Monday night, night which is John Lennon's birthday, um, to play at Casimir Stockroom. And we should have done a Beatles cover, but we didn't do it, did we? And well, then we we're yeah. in London mm-hmm. on
2: Then the 12th. London on
3: the 12th,
2: Thursday the 12th. So all the main trading ports of the British Empire, basically, <laughs> Bristol... <laughs> Glasgow, well, Liverpool and London.
0: All your favourites, Simon. Yeah. Um and then, and then we've
3: got a couple of weeks' break, and then we twenty sixth of things at Nottingham Chameleon.
0: Yeah.
3: And then the Friday twenty seventh Lewis Con Club, which is near to us. Yeah. So almost a home gig.
0: And then um some bands that may be opening up for you. Yeah. Um Landy Heck. He's playing with us in
2: Lewis, who we're delighted to have. She's um, she's a a young woman um, who's brilliant. She was in a band called the Muncie Girls, and she's a solo artist now. Okay. Um, she actually put us
1: on in Exeter a couple of years ago, which was ace. So that would be yeah. great. Um, then we've got we got oh yeah um, yeah
2: Rocker Hip from the um Flatmates. Sense. His band is playing with us in um, Charlie and the Rebellion. Charlie, Instinct. Charlie Tipper Rebellion. <laughs> oh god, and I'm, I'm thinking Rebellion Instinct and that's wrong. Um, <laughs> Charlie <laughs> Tipper Rebellion.
3: So they're not Instinct. In, in
2: Bristol, um, Irene and the Disappointment, a great Liverpool um, sort of dream pop band
1: in Liverpool. Um, I don't know that. Glasgow, we don't know. Or, oh no, we do. Well, Charlie, the the Germany Germans, Germany, Charlie and the Germs. Joe and the Germs again in London. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: Olga says, "Looking forward to hearing all the new stuff live at the Con Club. Yeah, Yeah, that's in
1: Lewis,
3: just up the road from us.
0: Okay. Yeah. And how big is that venue?
1: Uh, 150 capacity. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Who do we see there?
2: We saw an Elvis tribute band (laughs)
1: there last (laughs) week. Yeah.
2: (laughs) a kind of <laughs> town Lucy. <Louis. laughs> no,
1: it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> but, it was... uh, but also, yeah, there are some good yeah there's loads of good bands play there. Lots of old punk yeah. bands play there actually.
0: Um I have two more questions here. I want you to tell the audience and and me a very memorable concert you went to when you were younger or last year or whenever just a memorable concert.
2: Yeah. For me the jam at the Cliffs Pavilion. Oh, that was great. In Southend. They was like number one in the chart and they were doing a warm up gig. And we, uh, it was one of those days where you actually went to the venue and queued up. We queued up there at like 10 o'clock in the morning, like third in the queue, and then got to the gig an hour before the doors opened and rushed to the front of the stage and stood there for two, two or three hours before they came on. And yeah. And that was only about like an 800 capacity venue and the jam were a massive band at number one in the charts at the time. So,
0: yeah. What about for you, Wendy?
3: Um, from the fact the old days, I think it was probably, only because I I nearly died, I felt like I did, uh, the Smiths at Brixton, well, I don't know if it's Brixton Academy or Nation, Kilburn National now, Um, but when they, it was when they had the Romeo and Juliet overdue the, 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 the the, the music as their opening music. And as soon as that music started, I think it must have been The Queen is Dead tour, well, um, everyone wow. just surged forward and I just thought I was going to die. I was squished and squashed and I had to claw my way out of it. So I remember that gig for that moment, really. But more recently, um, I, I'm a big fan of Richard Dawson, who's a very strange folk alt, weird singer-songwriter from Newcastle. And I saw him at the Barbican and he his latest album, which is called The Ruby Chord, um, the opening track is 41 minutes long. So he played the whole of the Ruby Cord album, including this f- almost 40, they played almost all of it, like about 35-minute long song at the start. And that was amazing,
0: yeah. Uh, the Smiths, never saw them. Man, <gasps> that was this. Oh. I've seen Morrissey several times. Does that count? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Annie actually showed up. Annie stayed the entire show.
3: Do you
0: know we went to see him in Athens and he didn't
1: come? He
2: didn't oh. Although, yeah, that was another of my top kids was Morrissey at Brighton Dome, probably in oh, yeah. 1991, Not which was, the, the, they had, he had it seated stupidly and the crowd Us. sat down, just piled over the seats and ripped the seats out
1: Crushed yeah.
2: <laughs> rushed down the front of the stage and that was the kind of how mad Morrissey concert was like in those days
3: oh and I still got yeah. a shirt that So shirt yeah, I, I wonder if
0: that was for the stuff. Kill Uncle Tour it's okay. the next one it's the next and oh, oh,
3: that was for a, well on the Kill Uncle Tour we went to see him in Hamburg and we had I had a cassette of Pop Guns stuff and handed it in to the you know box office with a note saying that yeah. like, we've come over from England on the coast you handed it
2: to him did I hand it to him outside the gig beforehand
3: yeah and then I put a note on saying we've come over from England on the coach, blah, 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 blah. And so in his set, he, he goes, I would like to say hello to," And then he sings a couple of songs and he goes,
1: England, Wendy.
3: And that was <laughs> amazing. I've never heard him give a shout out to anyone before. So that was that was, wow. that was actually that was probably my most memorable gig.
0: Yeah. Very nice moment for you. It
1: was Which,
0: amazing. So I've done a lot of these interviews with varied genres of music but when it comes to indie pop music i'm so it's amazing and i wrote this in the chat in the comment box how effortless it all sounds and i know it's not effortless a lot of a lot of thinking goes in planning and organizing and experience goes into creating these songs but with your music it's um it, it there is that exhilarating rush i know you probably have heard this from your fans but it's It's astounding to me how these songs move from track to track in such a purposeful way, but it it just makes you feel so alive, and that's what I want to wrap up with is that 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 visceral feeling of that that pop sensation that you that you've done for so many years. So I just wanted to say thank you for, for all those little gifts there you. and it's, your fans obviously probably can echo those sentiments as well. That's probably um, what we mean by popism. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, so what is, com- after the the, the the tour, so what is coming down the line for uh, the Pumpkins? Anything else?
1: We've got quite a few
3: songs, haven't we, that we haven't recorded yeah, yet, so working on new those new songs,
1: I think. Yeah, our record company, Matinee, is demanding an album,
0: a new album, mm-hmm. next year, so... Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. We'll keep our eyes out for that. Mm-hmm. And where? Um, well, last question. Will you still be rocking in your care homes in the future? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what would you choose chairs. In
3: No rocking chairs.
0: In your rocking chair. Love it. Uh, Wendy and Simon Pickles, thank you so much for this opportunity uh, and this conversation, and congratulations on the new EP, Popism. Uh, for those of you that are lucky enough and fortunate to go see them live, have a great time. I'm sure we'll hear and see on Facebook, Twitter, uh, or Instagram the, um, that experience. So, yeah, thanks again, everyone. My name is W, host of the High Art on the Edge page. Big round of applause to Simon Wendy from the Pop Guns. Thank you so much.